Week six means we get to figure out if Texas is for real, and we understand who's ready to claim the Southeastern Conference right here on the week six preview on the three technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome into another preview here on the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. It is a rainy, thunderstorming Wednesday night as we're recording this. Uh, fellas, the slate not loaded as far as as and the number of games, I guess I'll say, compared to past weeks. But boy, we are we're in week six. So that means we're getting into some pivotal matchups, some legacy-defining games, and the playoff picture really starts to take shape this week. This, Despite some of the ranked matchups uh, not being as numerous as they have been maybe over the past two weeks, I think this is one of those weeks that everyone has had circled on the calendar in college football with regards to Texas, to Alabama. Can Georgia survive another week? I think this is going to be a quality game. You have a quality week. You have playoff baseball as well. Um, I sent a text in the group earlier. Uh, It's just going to be a wonderful day of sports balling all around. Absolutely. It is. It feels like every year when we turn the calendar to October, things really start to cool down outside and heat up on the football field. Uh, It's hard to believe that a lot of teams are going to be halfway through their regular seasons after this week as well. It's really sad to think about that, but Lots of good games on the field. Lots that I'm really excited to. Lots of really local implications for us here in the Lone Star State. All over. It seems like all eyes are going to be on the state of Texas and towards the south this week. But there's a lot of good games all over the country, and we're excited to break it down. Well, it is going to be certainly a Saturday you can't miss if you're here in the Lone Star State. Guys, highs in the low 70s? Oh, my -hmm. goodness. That seems like a rounding error. I almost didn't believe that. You got the Red River rivalry, shootout, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then Alabama, Texas AM early on in the afternoon. Of course, before we get to the game previews, have to let you know that this podcast brought to you by our partners over at the Transfer Portal CFB. Some of the best college football coverage you will find anywhere. Twitter on their website as well. Articles, analysis, previews, breakdowns. And then, of course, you get our article. At the end of the week, headlines in review. Head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB, powered by No Context College Football. Check them out. You can also head on over to our friends at homefieldapparel.com. We've been talking for weeks about how comfortable the shirts are. The logos are amazing. They are a conversation piece at any sports gathering, or if you're just out with your friends, you'll love wearing their gear. You can use our code 3TECHPOD for 15% off your first order if you're a new customer or If you're like so many of you who have already purchased through our code, you can also head on over to our Twitter account at 3TechPod. You can find a link that continues to get you that 15% off discount. 
Um, fellas, this week is, is going to define a lot of legacies. There are going to be a lot of headlines created off this week. And our big three, I tweeted them out, were very clear this week. There are some great matchups we'll get to a little bit later on. But for me, the big three in Texas and Oklahoma, Alabama and Texas A&M, and then Kentucky and Georgia are without a doubt the showstoppers. Garrett, if you had to pick just one of these games uh, to watch, which one is it and why? For me, I would be picking AM versus Alabama, partially for the fandom and partially because this is a big moment, I think, for both coaches. And we'll talk about this when we break it down, but for both Nick Saban, who is at the end of a, you know, or at least we think maybe in the last part of a, you know, amazing, you know, all-time great run as the head coach at Alabama versus Jimbo, who's trying to cement his legacy at AM and not let the whole thing go off the rails. Both coaches kind of need this one to to prove at least for this season, who they are. Um, and so I think that that's something you have to be watching for. But, man, like making me choose between this is just, I mean, how can you not want to watch all three of these top three games? There's, there's other games that I'm going to have to be watching as well, but these top three are going to be some of the best football we've seen so far this year. I completely agree. I think these are three premium matchups, uh, and, you know, let's – Let's get it right into them. Uh, I think Texas A&M, Alabama has so many storylines, but first we have to go to the Cotton Bowl, our stomping grounds down in Fair Park for the Red River rivalry. All eyes will be on Dallas, Texas, when the 12th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners take on the third-ranked Texas Longhorns, both of the only two undefeated teams in the Big 12. Of course, the drama, the storylines write themselves there. Texas and Oklahoma are feeling like they've got to go scorched earth after Brett Yormark kind of publicly abandoned them uh, a couple of weeks ago. And this is one of their chances to really stick it to the Big 12 Conference, not only cement themselves as the favorite, but also really establish themselves as a, a real playoff contender. Of course, you can watch this 11 a.m. on ABC. Guys, uh, the X's and O's for me, are very, very interesting in this game because Texas has looked very legitimate for, I want to say, like 85% of the games that they've played. There's still been a little inkling that makes you wonder, okay, if it gets tough, if it gets physical, if they get punched in the mouth, does this kind of fall into the same Texas team of old? But for the rest of it, their offense has been efficient. The defense, this is the best defense that they've had in quite some time. For me, I'm looking at two things here. The front seven uh, versus Oklahoma's running game. Can Texas make OU and Dylan Gabriel one-dimensional? And then what does Texas do from a red zone efficiency standpoint? Trey, the Longhorns have really had a hard time finishing drives, putting six on the board as opposed to field goals. We saw Burt Auburn was a little bit vulnerable for the first time, a little mortal last week. Where do you sit on the X's and O's as far as an advantage? Does Texas get that advantage? Are they that much better of a team, or do you like Oklahoma as an upstart here? I think we forgot how talented Oklahoma is because of how their season turned out last year. I think adjusting to a new coaching staff, adjusting to new schemes, adjusting to high expectations on the defensive side of the ball, maybe for the first time in a long time. Uh, if you listen to Mitch's thoughts on their former defensive coordinator, um, 
you know, it, it rests. It was a recipe for disaster that combined with injuries at the quarterback position and all over the field for the Sooners last year. I think a lot of people were lulled to sleep and forgot just how talented this team is. These two teams are way closer in talent than you might think just, you know, just looking at the uh, stars on paper and knowing what we know about what Texas typically has. So I'm expecting a really close game here. I think these are two teams that you don't typically think about when it comes to defensive prowess, but they've shown it on the field this year. We know Oklahoma hasn't played a ton of great offenses, but even those bad offenses that are playing, they are completely shutting it down. And it, that was not the case a few years ago with the Oklahoma Sooners. They're finally keeping or finally getting that talent to perform, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And what I don't think a lot of people are talking about nationally, this is not a shot at Texas. They've done a great job taking care of business, but Dylan Gabriel is far and away the best quarterback that the Texas Longhorns will have seen so far this year. Texas has gotten to play Jalen Milrow. He's gotten to play Keaton Slovis at Rice, and then they they played a couple backups, right? Jason Bean last week against Kansas, and uh, Wyoming even threw their backup at him as well a couple weeks ago. So I'm really interested to see how the Texas defense responds. They're going to get punched in the mouth a couple times. We know that both of these teams like to start hot. Who responds the best on the defensive side of the ball? Who makes adjustments to shut down the other team's quarterback is going to ultimately decide the game for this me. Ultimately decide this game for me. So I think it's close, guys. I think I'm taking the under. If you watch the ledger segment already, I took the under. Mitch took the under as well. I think it stays under 60 and a half points. Mm -hmm. I think Oklahoma keeps it close. I think Texas ekes out a win, though. And I think this is the first of two matchups we see. So this will not be the last time that we see these two teams on the field. I've kind of changed my prediction there. I do think that we'll see a rematch in Arlington in December. But for this one in Dallas in October, I'm going to take the Longhorns to win, but Oklahoma to cover. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your hand forced a little bit with uh, the Red Raiders um, sinking like a yeah. stone. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to take that. Somebody's got to take that Red Raiders spot. And I think Kansas State has looked really, really good. It wouldn't surprise me if Kansas State ends up there, but... Right now, from what we've seen on the field, Oklahoma and Texas have just been far and away the most impressive. And look, I will fully buy into Texas as a playoff contender if they handle business against Oklahoma this week. I, I, I will be in. I will shut up about the, you know, wait and see approach. We'll have waited and we'll have seen if they can take care of business against Oklahoma this week. I'll be fully impressed and fully on board. Uh, Garrett, on the flip side of the coin, you've got the Jimmys and the Joes. All eyes will be on the quarterback battle. Dylan Gabriel for the Sooners, Quinn Ewers uh, for the Longhorns. Both quarterbacks have struggled with efficiency, with consistency at times throughout their career, but both also look pretty solid coming into play this Saturday. Neither quarterback is turning the football over. You've also got a very interesting running game battle to watch Jonathan Brooks popped off last week, but Oklahoma's rush defense has been really solid. What's the storyline that you're looking for from a player perspective? 
Uh, I think when you look at this one, you just have to acknowledge that the the quarterback battle is going to be where this one ends up winning, I think. And, and you don't want to make it that simple when you're breaking down football, right? You don't want to go that easy most times. But I do think you have to acknowledge at this point, you know, when you have two talented rosters, chock full of talent, chock full of, you know, guys who are going to go on and play at the next level, you, you have to acknowledge that the little things are going to matter. So like, okay, penalties and, you know, not turning the ball over and stuff like that. But a lot of that comes down to the quarterback play, right? And just making sure that the quarterback's making good decisions with the football and extending plays and doing what he needs to win. I think right now, if you had to make me answer, I think Dylan Gabriel's a slightly better quarterback than Quinn Ewers just at this moment. Um, that's not to slight Quinn. That's a, that's a very, very slight margin for him. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the case, but Texas is going to be able to hand the ball off to Jonathan Brooks, which, you know, if he can stay hot like he has been, then I, I think that gives them the edge in this one. Um, because I think that at, at, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're Quinn or whether you're having an amazing game or whether you're struggling against the better defense that you've seen so far and, you know, you're, you're doing whatever it is. At the end of the day, if you can hand the ball off and establish a running game and not have to pick up every single play on your own and get some of the pass rush off of you, then things are going to go really well. Um, I, I do think that they're going to have some success on the ground. I'm actually kind of on the flip side of you guys. I don't think we really know what either of these defenses are yet. And I think this is going to be a fairly high scoring game. I, I think that this is just going to be one of those blow it up, you know, both quarterbacks dueling. I think that at some point the wheels come off and, you know, it's just going to be one of those classic red rivers where we, you know, see it, you know, 75 yards that way, 60 yards that way, 75 yards the other way, right? And it's just going to be a, a bang, bang type of thing. And so I do think it will go back and forth at the end of the day. My biggest concern is just with what the Texas defense is, Trey, kind of like what you mentioned, they, they haven't really played a good quarterback yet. They haven't played anyone who I think can pass the football with any sort of effectiveness, and Texas has started slow. They, they've had some slow starts, you know, so far, not not in every game, but they have had some starts where they've, they've kind of gotten out the blocks a little slow, haven't quite gotten off to the races. And if, if Oklahoma comes out, punches them in the mouth, gets up, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing right out the gates because of a couple of slow starts on their offense, then I don't know how they're going to respond to that. Um, they're a really, really good team. I do think right now I do have Oklahoma winning this game. Um, I think it's a slight margin. Um, I think this is going to be a real tight one, but I do have Oklahoma winning this game at this moment. Um, but I mean, this is a, a confidence level one pick, right? I've got just no confidence that this is going to go one way. Both of these teams are really, really good, and it could play either direction, right? You could see Jonathan Brooks have an amazing game and the Oklahoma defense has no answer for him. And then Quinn gets to set up the play action and we're hitting deep shots and it's just a party for Texas, right? That could be an extremely likely outcome. But right now, if you had to make me pick, I think Gabriel's the better quarterback. I think he'll make just one more play than Quinn by the end of the day. We are truly gambling by taking the under in this game because okay. I'm pulling up the results, recent results. I think it's fair not to discredit Texas win last year. It was dominant. It was awesome for the Longhorns. I think it's fair to throw that out from, you know, a historical perspective because of the situation for Oklahoma where we're just looking at point totals. If you throw that one out last year, this game has gone, this game would have gone under the 60 and a half just one time since 2016. And that was uh, 2017. So it, it historically has a lot of points, Gary. So you're right to point that out. Well, I will say historically, Texas and Oklahoma don't don't play defense. That's also, true, though, right? So that that was for me. 
you know, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, my title card says Hammer the Nail Saturday. If you're listening on the podcast, um, maybe check out the YouTube. Give it, give that a try. Uh, shameless plug there. But I put that because to me, by week six, if you're a playoff contender, the frame for your playoff run should be taking shape, right? Like if we're building a house, if we're building some sort of structure throughout the, the course of the season, this is one of those weeks that you've just got to hammer the nails home, right? Like you need to be raising that frame up so we can start putting in drywall. We can start doing a bunch of other things, right? Figuring out where the granite countertops are going to go. Um, and this is one of those weeks for me, I think Texas finally quiets all the doubt finally takes the narrative that they can't play defense, that they're not physical, that they can't win a big game. I think this is their first chance to really silence that narrative. Here you're going Oklahoma outright. I'm going to take Texas minus the six and a half. I will say the math, very tight, very, very, very tight to make this happen. I'm going to go Texas 30, Oklahoma 23. We'll get the under. We'll get the cover, uh, and I'm all for all on board the Longhorns here. I do want to say, just for the record, I'm not saying that Texas can't be physical or can't play good defense. I'm just saying I don't buy it as much as everybody else has yet. I don't know that sure. this is a bona fide defense yet. They they played well against Bama. I'm still not sure that they have a quarterback, um, and then they've played a bunch of backups. And so I, I just don't think that you can say yet that they're that level, right? I don't think that anyone would look at Kansas and Baylor and Wyoming and say, wow, what a couple of gauntlets, right? Man, I'm surprised they got through that without giving a whole, a whole bunch of lot of points. So, you know, I just I think that after this game, we're going to know a lot more about Texas. And sure, if they hammer the nail and they get it done, then, you know, good for them. And that's a that's a bona fide playoff team. But, you know, at this point, I still have to wait and see. And this will be the best quarterback they play this year, short of going to the yes. college football playoff. Sure. Uh, yeah, Garrett, ESPN, the FPI actually favors your pick here. Um, they give Oklahoma a better than 50-50 chance to win this game. Um, so that is worth noting. Oklahoma's defense also has not played a top 70 offense yet this season, which, yeah. come on, SMU. They're I don't know about them either. In, in that metric, that's, that's uh, disappointing, to say the least. All right, well, after that game, uh, the report is, the rumor is that Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, will be in town for the Red River rivalry. He will then hop on Air Force SEC, head on down to College Station to watch Texas A&M host Alabama. Now, it's interesting, Alabama, the 11th-ranked team in the country, Texas A&M, despite an impressive win against Arkansas, despite a dominating win over Auburn two weeks ago and a 4-1 and record, they are not ranked heading into this matchup uh trey potentially favoring the aggies a little bit there was a big campaign to not rank the aggies in the preseason poll they uh traditionally play a little bit better when they're slept on in the beginning parts of the season um from an x's and o's standpoint i think you have to start with the a&m pass rush and looking in the trenches texas a&m has uh, seen that 2022 draft or draft class recruiting class blossom into one of the best pass rushes in the country. Meanwhile, Alabama has struggled to stop a nosebleed up front. What are you looking for in the battle of the trenches between the Aggies and the tide? Alabama has one of the worst sack rates allowed in the entire country. And AM is statistically the best team in the country when it comes to sack rate on percentage of dropbacks where they get a sack. Now, 
a lot of that is playing Arkansas and Auburn that have offensive line issues of their own. But I think when you have, what was it? 17 sacks over the last two weeks or something ridiculous like that. I, I think that those numbers will hold up, you know, no matter who you're playing. I think it's been fascinating to see how the fan base has kind of shifted on DJ Durkin over the last few weeks, because we are not fans of him on this podcast. I am still tentatively out on DJ Durkin, but it seems like he's finally willing to use the strength of this defense and not put his secondary on an Island when they are not the talented uh, unit that they've been in the past this year. So I'm very encouraged by that. Statistically, it's been fascinating to watch all the advanced stats breakdown come out this week, hasn't it? Like I know Parker Gillum, who runs Stats of War, um, he he said he thinks this is the first time that he's ever run a projection that has Alabama losing outright um, on an advanced stats projection. So that's fascinating to see. Um, it is a very, very interesting matchup. And guys, I got to say, we like to be analytical on this podcast. We like to look at the numbers. We like to look beyond the box score. We like to look at the Jimmys and Joes and the X's and O's. But at the heart of this, we are fans. And my heart as a fan has been broken so many times uh, by this Texas A&M football team when there's just an ounce of expectation. And because of that, I'm picking with nothing else but battered Aggie syndrome when I say that Alabama, I think, is going to win this game. I think Alabama covers the minus two and a half, and I think they unfortunately win this game. Maybe a late field goal. Maybe they return the favor from Seth Small's dramatic game winner a couple years ago. Call me an Eeyore. Call me a battered Aggie all you want. It's 100% true. I think Alabama is going to win this game. Listen, that's totally fair. And and first of all, let me just extend a welcoming hand of, of friendship because this is traditionally the block that I die on. Um, how many times? Well, last year, how many times was I right? Uh, before we started this podcast, how many years did I take the other team to cover? And, you know, AM either wins comfortably or wins late. But, you know, we had to sweat for a little bit, right? So I totally understand that. The fact that everybody and their mother seems to be on A&M this week, maybe the most greatly concerning uh, item to me because uh, we've got the line on this graphic is two and a half. Last I checked right before we hit record, it was actually bet down to one and a half in some places. So the public very heavy on A&M. And look, there's a good reason to be. A&M is at home. They have a track record of at least playing the Crimson Tide close at home, if not upsetting Nick Saban outright when they play in College Station. Texas A&M is the better team statistically on paper. Now, on the field, that's why we play these games. I think it's going to be a very, very close margin. But when you just look at what A&M can do offensively, when you look at what their pass rush can do, the way to beat this Aggie team is the Miami model. You throw it deep. You throw the ball 45-plus times. Alabama can't do that. Even if Jalen Milrow's not the quarterback, Tyler or uh, yeah, Tyler Buckner, is, Ty Simpson, they're not able to do that. And so for me, unless Alabama just runs it down A and M's throat, which guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Arkansas tried to do that, Auburn tried to do that, didn't work in either of those cases. Heck, even Miami, outside of one big chunk play, really didn't get anything going against uh, against this Texas A and M defensive front. Garrett, bring you in here, Jimmy's and Joe's wise. 
I feel like the edge and the tone these last couple weeks has been set by the edge rush specifically. Walter Nolan has five sacks as a defensive tackle. Shamar Turner, Edron Cooper coming off the edge have been elite for the Aggies. Talk about what you expect to see from this A&M defense and maybe what the counter is for Alabama because they also have a linebacker in Torian York who has been exercising that spy ability to great effect this year. Yeah, so, you know, when I look at this in terms of just what's going to be happening on the defensive side of the ball for the Aggies, I think that this is a really favorable matchup for them because they've played this same style of team, I think, three weeks in a row. You've got a quarterback who's a run-first quarterback who struggles with his passing. You've got a quarterback who, you know, he's maybe got a little bit of experience, right? Peyton Thorne had some experience. KJ Jefferson got some experience. And, and, you know, Milrow's been in the program, not starting, but he's been in the program. And then you've got strong running game, and this is just what they want to do. They want to run the football. They want to establish things. And AM hasn't let that happen so far the last couple of weeks. Now, Alabama's got better athletes than those guys do, right? Alabama's got better players. I could also counter and say that Rocket Sanders is probably a better running back than anybody in Alabama's roster. He didn't have a very good game against AM, though he may have been a little hobbled. I know that there were still some like lagging injury concerns with him, but I would still argue he's probably a better running back than anybody Bama's got on the roster right now. And so when you look at this game, I don't think that Bama's strength plays well to AM's strength. However, Bama's weakness, which is passing the football, plays to AM's weakness on defense, which is their coverage. So it's kind of a weird like strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness matchup on that side of the ball where Bama wants to, on a normal week, run the football, use the quarterback to run the football, and AM doesn't let people do that. But if, if Jalen Miller can get a little bit of time, maybe get the screen game going to get, you know, take advantage of some of the aggression on the AM defense, or just find ways to air it out, throw that good deep ball. AM could be in trouble. Flipping that around, though, on the AM offense versus the Bama defense, the Bama defense is really, really solid, especially in coverage. So I think this game comes down to Max Johnson, the quarterback for AM, not forcing the ball down the field. He's got to make smart plays. He's got to take what the defense is giving them. Right. Check it down to the running back when you need to, you know, hit your little sit down routes and not try to force it when it's not there. Right. Caleb Downs, great in coverage, you you know, pick you off if he needs to. And I I just think that this is a thing where Max Johnson having the experience that he has, having played in this league for as long as he's played and, and, you know, finally getting his chance to kind of sit there, work with the ones, be in the spotlight. I think that's your X factor right there is the Max Johnson experience at home with a run game that's starting to figure it out, Le'Veon Moss figuring things out. I think that this is going to work really well for AM. I don't think it's going to be an explosive game on offense for AM, but I think they'll be able to move the football. I think they'll be able to cash in some points. And I am going to pick AM to win this game. I'm going to pick them plus the two and a half and to win. Uh, I do think that they do enough on offense and just make Bama make enough mistakes, right? End enough drives with the sack get a tackle for loss and an opportune time to put them behind the chains and just don't let up on that side of the football. I think if they can do that, things are going to work out great. I don't think it'll be comfortable. I don't think at any point in time, either of these teams is feeling great about the outcome of this game. But I think by the end of the day, Anum wins this game by a field goal or so. I do think this is going to be a very tight game. You talk about a game that the under probably hits on. I think there's a really good chance that that this one uh, finds its way right um, now that being said Alabama put up 40 on Mississippi State last week so it's not like Alabama's offense can't score but hey, that's a juggernaut that are, defense at Mississippi State 
Wow, that's that's true. And to those to those that may be going, hey, now you're talking a lot about A and M. Alabama is the team that's favored to win this game, after all, right? They've got the better head coach. As a whole, they've got better athletes. Jalen Milrow is going to have to pick his spots, right? He almost didn't beat A and M at home last year. Uh, kind of scraped it together in a very very close win against a bad Texas A and M team, right? I think for Jalen Milrow, he's going to have to find ways to get the ball outside, and he's going to have to take some shots. We've seen his arm. We know that his arm can get the ball down the field when given time. The problem is his offensive line just hasn't given him that time to throw it. Conversely, we saw a lot of the screen game, a lot of short stuff for A&M. That's, that's Will Rogers' theme music. That did not work last week for Mississippi State. Bobby Petrino is going to likewise have to throw the football down the field in addition to establishing that running game if Texas A&M is going to win. Caleb Downs, by the way, true freshman safety for Bama, leads the team in tackles. Kool-Aid McKinstry, obviously an elite corner, maybe the top corner in, in the land. Rome in the secondary for Alabama. So uh, even though I think this is the best case that A&M has to not only beat Alabama at home, but also maybe do it comfortably. I don't know that you can just assume, hey, one team has actually looked a little bit better than than Alabama. So this is this is just another spot where Nick Saban's legacy takes a ding, something like that. Alabama's season ends. I expect this to be a very very close game. And I will say, you know, looking back to last year, AM had a great defensive game plan last year to pressure Jalen Milrow, and they forced a few turnovers, and it came down to a schematic issue on a goal line attempt at the end zone. Did it not? And what did AM fix this offseason? Allegedly, we think so far they fixed that schematic not, issue. Not allegedly. They're much better on offense than they were. They absolutely are. And it, and it looks more efficient. And the stats back that up. The advanced metrics back that up. So if you're looking for a positive, like me, that's the positive that you can take. Um, I'm still going to take Alabama to somehow find a way to win this game. But it did come down to a schematic issue on the offensive side of the ball. And AM has certainly looked much, much better in that aspect this year. Uh, over under, by the way, 46 and a half. So if you would like to throw some harder nuggies on the under there, certainly would not blame you. I think this has a, a very low score. I mean, I don't know that I would be shocked if this is a 21 17 kind of win either way. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to Kentucky and Georgia. Kentucky, the 20th team in the country, going on the road to take on the top team in the land, allegedly. Georgia, 14.5-point favorites when we took this line. You can find this on uh, on ESPN at 6 p.m. Uh, gentlemen, I, I'll be honest. I think this line is offensively high to Kentucky. Uh, and this is one of those lines where, as we'll, we'll talk about throughout this week, there are some lines that, that smell off, that don't make sense to my eye test, my incredibly flawed eye test, as the ledger shows. But still, doesn't this feel, Garrett, like, 
14 and a half. Georgia hasn't blown anybody out of the water. Kentucky has the best defense that the Bulldogs will play so far, maybe even all season. And Kentucky's running the ball at a very, very effective clip when Georgia, for once, seems like they have some cracks in that run defense. Yeah, and I think this is one of the more susceptible spots for Georgia as well, right? This is, you know, I think we just talked about Bama. They're susceptible, right? There's a chance AM can get them. I also think the same thing about Kentucky, right? They've got a, you know, I think elite running game with Ray Davis. I mean, this is the best statistical running back in the SEC right now, and I think he's making a case that he actually is the best running back. So, you know, I think Ray Davis is going to have a, a great game again. The Georgia run defense, not what it was, right? Not as strong as it used to be. Um, and so, you know, I think this is really a situation where, you know, my mind is telling me that Kentucky is going to, you know, keep this one close, right? That somehow, you know, the, they're going to do enough and Georgia's going to have another one of those slow starts and they're not going to take care of business and all that stuff like that. And and then there's just a little piece of me in the back of my mind that's just like, nah, nah, Georgia's going to take care of business. They're just going to roll this one. It, it sort of feels like, you know, there, there's got to be something that breaks and Kentucky never ends up playing them close. Like the last several matchups haven't been close at all. Um, they just, they, they don't really play them that well. Um, and so, you know, I think that this is another spot where Georgia just kind of figures it out. I do think that this is the spot where it all starts to come together for Georgia. Uh, if it doesn't, then Kentucky might take advantage of it. So even though the majority of my reason tells me that this is going to be a close game and that 14 and a half is, you know, offensive and all that stuff. There's just a piece of me that wants to take the dogs to take care of it because it just it makes sense that that's what should happen, right? Looking at it from a, a 30,000 foot view, it just makes sense that Georgia would start to figure it out about halfway through the season and start to roll with the amount of talent that they have on their team. So I am going to pick Georgia minus the 14 and a half. I think they're going to win this one pretty comfortably. Hey, it was 16 to six last year in Lexington. Give, give the cats oh, some okay, credit a little fair, bit. That game did not feel like 16 to six. Kentucky could not move the ball right, at all right. in that game. Uh, guys, do y'all remember when Arkansas was undefeated a few years ago, rolling into Athens? I do. And college game day was there, and there's a lot of hype around KJ Jefferson and an undefeated Razorback team that knocked off um, maybe a slightly overrated division opponent. And they rolled in the Sanford Stadium. And do you guys remember what happened in that one? They got curb stomped. They got shut out. And I don't know that Kentucky is going to get shut out in this game. But I think Georgia's pretty ticked off this week. I think there's going to be a Georgia statement win uh, in Athens this week. They're tired of hearing all the talking. They're tired of hearing all the questioning of their schedule. Do they deserve to be number one in the country? I think they're tired of it, and I think their talent's going to just steamroll the Wildcats this weekend. Listen, Kentucky was a really, really impressive running the football last week. Auburn was really, really impressive running the football against Georgia last week. I think they're going to get that corrected. I trust Kirby Smart and his defensive staff. I trust their you know, pedigree. I trust their history. I trust what I've seen. I trust the talent that they have on the field to get that figured out. And I think that's going to, we're going to look back on that as a one off. What the heck? How did Auburn get that done by the end of the season? I'm all in on Georgia this week. I think they cover the spread. I think it's more of a crock potting, slow cooking, whatever you want to call it. And we look up and Georgia wins this game by about four scores by the end. I think they're going to dominate the Wildcats this week. Georgia 
seems to struggle when they can't establish the ground game. Now, the Bulldogs have a top 10 passing attack this season, which surprised me when I looked into the numbers this week, right? The the common the common thread on pick your social media of choice is that Carson Beck is overrated, that he's not a championship caliber quarterback, that oh my gosh, he can't get Georgia to score in 50 each week, like Stetson Bennett did. Um, and, and like some Bulldogs fans became accustomed to. But when you look into the numbers, Carson Beck has not been bad. He's not turning the football over. He's throwing the ball downfield, and that's without Ladd McConkey. They got McConkey back last week. He'll continue to ramp up. Brock Bowers has over 400 yards receiving. Yet, I'm a little bit concerned that Georgia won't be able to balance that out. Kentucky's pass rush has been getting to opposing quarterbacks this year. They've got a top 25 pass rush in the country. To me, Kentucky, this this game comes down to third down. Kentucky has a top 10 defense on third downs, while Georgia has a top seven offense in third down conversions. 54% of the time, Georgia's moving the chains. If Georgia can win the battle on third down and keep the ball away from Ray Davis and company, because I don't really trust Devin Leary to throw the ball consistently against Georgia. It, it just it, It's not looked pretty for the Wildcats throwing the ball so far. They have just over 1,000 yards passing uh, through the first five games. Running, on the other hand, has been where they've dominated. And despite what we thought would be an, a, a leaky O-line, Kentucky has really proven some of the haters wrong in that respect. I think this is a close game. I don't pick Kentucky to win this. I think Georgia does win it, but you're giving me the hook. And for me, Georgia can win this by 14. It doesn't even have to feel like it's even that close. But because you're giving me the hook, Kentucky's the better running team. Georgia is not as elite at stopping the run as they were a season ago. I think Kentucky's going to have some some drives where they take the wind out of the Bulldogs' sails. They might force a turnover or two, much like Auburn did a week ago. I think Kentucky hangs around, keeps this close, and gets the fans murmuring a little bit in between the hedges. So I'll take Kentucky plus the number. Um, Listen, Mark Stoops has done a fantastic job so far. He's already halfway, over halfway, to what should be a comfortable eight, nine win season in Lexington. If, if the wheels fall off, right. If, if nothing else goes right for them, I still think they get to eight, nine wins. What a job for Mark Stoops making $9 million a year, $1 million for potentially every win on that schedule. You guys are both on the dogs. I'll take Kentucky. I'm very excited for this, this three game slate. And if you were paying attention, the TV guide sets up great. You have a morning game, you have an afternoon game and you have a nightcap. And then you can go watch Pac-12 after dark. I mean, this this sets up for for quite the viewing uh, viewing experience. But of course, multiple other games going on around the country. Our get to a screen slate looks like this. We've got number twenty three LSU at number twenty one Missouri. You've got Maryland, the only undefeated team in the country that is unranked, on the road at number four Ohio State. We've also got number thirteen Washington State. Road dogs against the UCLA Bruins at 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Garrett, I'll let you choose here. Where Where are you going uh, out of these three games? I have a feeling I know where you're going, but uh, you, you gotta know. 
I'm starting with my Terrapins, right? Let's talk about them first, right? That This is so disrespectful. The only undefeated team to not be ranked. And I get it. They didn't play any. Okay, whatever. But, like, they've looked pretty good doing it. Some of the results this year have been pretty spectacular. Um, I'm going to pull up the game logs real quick. Other than the Charlotte game. Other than the Charlotte game, which they did end up winning by 18. But you beat Towson, who's nobody, 38-6. You beat Virginia, 42-14. to You beat Michigan State, 31-9. You beat Indiana, 44-17. to They've been my cash cow over on the ledger because they just kind of cover and then just beat teams. They've got a really, really, really fun offense. And, and not necessarily a great defense, but a defense that plays good uh, situational defense, right? I talk about situational defense a lot. Just finding a way to get off the field, finding a way to get that turnover, finding a way to just, you know, make that one play that can switch a game and give your offense a chance, right? In this day and age in football, that'll be enough for a lot of teams. This is a really, really solid team, uh, almost averaging 300 yards passing a game, almost averaging 160 yards rushing a game. Um, this, This is a really solid offensive team for Maryland. And yeah, they're playing Ohio State. And they're playing in Columbus. And that's that's a daunting task for anybody, right? And, and I did say going into the season when I wrote this preview and I predicted everything that Maryland was going to knock off one of these teams, right? One of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And right now, I'm going to go ahead and pick Ohio State to win this one, but not cover. I think that <clears throat> Maryland's going to keep this one close. I think Maryland's going to play this one real tight. They did end up losing this game by a fair amount. Um towards you know last year but this game was a seven point game last year with like a minute left and i don't think that ohio state's a better team than they were last year i think maryland has gotten maybe a little bit better than they were last year again not picking them to win i want to be very clear this is not going to be my upset special uh for maryland this time but i do think they'll keep it close and i do want to put ohio state on upset watch if you don't take the game seriously if you don't come out with some fire if you come down with a little bit of a letdown spot then yeah, you could be you could be showing up, and you could see that Talia goes and scores a couple touchdowns on you, puts you in a hole, and uh, we we could be talking about this one throughout the morning slate. Trey, I almost made a fatal mistake that you and I both made a couple of years ago. Um, Maryland was undefeated; they were hosting an Iowa team that we said couldn't score, and that didn't go that didn't go well at all. Now, it's not the same Maryland team, but uh, you did crunch some numbers leading up to the game this week. Uh, Numbers that I was not aware of uh, as as I hastily flipped my pick in our score graphic. Do you care to let let the people of America in on uh, the margin of loss for Maryland over these last couple of years? Oh, but you're on mute. So America has to wait a couple extra seconds. Apologize, America. Listen, Maryland has made four trips to Columbus, Ohio. They played four games in the horseshoe. They have lost those four games by an average of 44.25 points. Um, Yeah. So, yes, they played uh, Ohio State very close in College Park. They played them very close a few times in College Park, actually. Um, They seem to do a lot better against the Buckeyes there. I really like what Maryland is doing. I am close to being with Garrett. I don't know that they can get one of the big three this year. I don't know that they're, I think they have the quarterback to do it. I don't know that they have the rest of the talent around that quarterback to do it, but I could see them giving Michigan or Penn state a lot of trouble. This just seems like a bad matchup to them. Uh, This just seems like a bad matchup to me. 
I don't know who can cover the receivers. Columbus has been a house of absolute horrors for Maryland, so I'm going to take Ohio State minus the number. Listen, and you I, can shun Garrett, the non-believer, Garrett, like you said in the chat. Garrett said to I'm shun the non-believers. The non-believer. I will be shunned, and I will be collecting shun. my numbers. Shun Garrett, the non-believers, I, Charlie. I, I've got a – I'm defecting, unfortunately. I was shun. in your camp. I was in your camp, and um, I'm going to turn tail and run. I'm a coward. I'm not brave enough to take – Maryland plus the points here. You gave the case for Maryland plus the points, mm-hmm. I, which I was on. Let me make very clear. I was on Maryland plus the points so much so that I almost took them in the ledger, which, Garrett, I don't know, maybe should have you shaking in your boots. Now, I didn't. <laughs> so, of course, they're they're going to win the game outright. I picked now, them in the ledger, and I'm the one that's currently leading that thing. So, you know. That, that's right. Notre Dame couldn't throw the football against Ohio State, and they were at home. Scott mm-hmm. Hartman, uh, Scott Hartman, Sam Hartman, I knew I was going to do that. Sam Hartman <laughs> is a better better quarterback than Talia Tungavailoa. He may not have the weapons that Talia has at wide, but Ohio State has a top five pass defense, and they're at home. My personal model, the last time I went against a top I think it was a top 10 defense at that time at home. It didn't end up well. I'm going to take Ohio State minus the number. Um, Maryland has burned me a couple of times when I've really gotten invested in them. So that being said, I will, I'll issue a, a personal apology to Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terps if, uh, if my cowardice is, is exposed this week. Hey. But I, I've got to roll with the Buckeyes here. I'm going to get my spotlight feature ready for both of y'all for, uh, for the Sunday show. We're going to make sure that my spotlight fingers are nice and warmed up. Right, got to make sure that we can apologize for the, the disrespect when it comes. And I'm sure that I'll spotlight myself when I, you know, they get boat raced <laughs> or something, but whatever. Listen, I'll come hat in hand. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a guarantee. Um, LSU at Missouri. 11 a.m. on ESPN, LSU, the 23rd ranked team in the country after a tough loss uh, at Ole Miss last week. Missouri is undefeated. They're feeling great uh, hosting the Tigers. And yet they're home dogs. Trey, is Missouri worth believing in in Columbia? In the matchup against LSU, absolutely. Because who on LSU is going to cover Luther Burden? Uh, Anytime we've seen... LSU up against any sort of receiving talent, Florida State, Arkansas, Ole Miss last week. They have given up a ton of points. Competent quarterback in in Missouri's uh, Cook, amazing receiving talent in Luther Burden, and the secondary weapons are really, really fun as well. I'm taking Mizzou plus six and a half here. I think LSU barely escapes, gets out of there with a win, but Mizzou is going to cover this game, and Missouri has the better resume so far this year. Missouri has looked better than LSU. I think Mizzou's second best win in Memphis is better than any win LSU has this year. Like, bar none. Maybe you could argue that Arkansas is a better win than Memphis, but I think the way that Missouri beat Memphis in a neutral site versus how LSU escaped against Arkansas, I think Mizzou has the way better resume. Yeah, I think LSU is probably the most overrated team in the country right now. I just don't think that they're as good as they're being made up to be. They got beat by Florida State pretty bad. They got beat by Ole Miss, obviously. And their signature win is, what, a home game against Arkansas by, like, what, a point? A couple points? 
and blowing out Mississippi State on the road. But that neither one of those wins is easy. Yeah, very but we don't think very much of Mississippi State this year. That's that's not a wonderful team there and Stark Vegas. Um, and so you know, I'm, I'm just I, I don't see what the what the signature win is here. If that's the case, then what happened to four and one Texas A and M who just smoked Arkansas, who had their best player right? They're playing with Rocket Sanders that week as opposed to when LSU played them. They smoked them with their best player. You couldn't figure it out in your own stadium, not even on the road or like in a neutral site. Like, you know, they have to play the game in Jerry world. So look, I'm not trying to, to stomp all over for AM right now. Like they're, you know, massively underrated, but LSU is overrated. And Mizzou's probably a little underappreciated too. They're probably a little bit better than what their, their ranking would give you. I think I'm going to take Mizzou plus the points here. Um, they're a really good team. I think that they're probably the better team right now. And like you're saying, Trey Luther Burton is a menace, best receiver in the SEC right now. Um, and I, I think he's going to keep rocking and rolling, have another big party, and the correct Tigers will win this game, the Missouri Tigers over the LSU Tigers. Uh, our friend Dan Keegan over at the Transfer Portal CFB will love that pick. Um, Shout out, Dan. Trey, you mentioned LSU secondary has not lit the world on fire there uh, without the services of Greg Brooks Jr. Um, for the foreseeable future, diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer today, so mm. our prayers certainly with Wow, um, Greg and his family as they battle that. Um, look, LSU needs a bounce back win. They need it in the worst way. And traditionally, Brian Kelly does not lose back to back games. They're on the road. I feel like LSU has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And look, this was a team that we were all struggling to find one, let alone two losses on their schedule. Now we've gotten to two losses, so maybe the dam has broken. I don't know. Maybe all all chaos is about to break out. I'm going to go with LSU on the road here. I'm going to say they win by at least a touchdown, cover that number. They need a bounce-back game. And I, I, I'm not honestly, I'm not banking on LSU covering Luther Burton. I don't know that many teams will be able to, but I do think LSU's offense is more complete than what Missouri has brought to the table so far. I think LSU should be able to get some pressure on Brady Cook, and maybe that's how they limit Missouri's offense. But ultimately, this pick has taken LSU in in a barn burner. Uh, I think the over could absolutely be on the table here. So I'll take LSU minus the six and a half. I'll 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 save Missouri. So when 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 Mizzou absolutely upsets uh, LSU outright, you can you can thank that pick uh, right there. Uh, we talked Maryland, Ohio State. Let's go to Washington State. In Pasadena, taking on UCLA, Washington State is the 13th best team in the land, and yet they are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against UCLA. Guys, the question that I asked is, why on earth is that the case? Why is Washington State not favored in this game? Cam Ward has looked like a revelation. Their defense has come to play. They upset Oregon State at home on the Palouse a couple of weeks ago. Pasadena is not the Palouse, and UCLA has the eighth-best defense in the country, including the 26th-best passing defense. Now, have they faced an air raid like Cam Ward's going to throw at them? No, absolutely not. But in the past, when I have not steered into a line that smells and looks funky, normally I pay for it. So I, when I look at the books, I still want to take Washington State. I still want to believe in the Cougars. But I'm going to steer into the road team with a, or I'm sorry, the, the home team with a better defense. 
I'm going to say Vegas knows what they're doing. I'm going to take UCLA minus the points to defend uh, defend home turf and uh, and get a very impressive upset. I totally agree. This line doesn't pass the smell test. I don't know, man. I, I really, maybe it's just because I went to bat for Dante Moore against Utah and I thought that he was going to have a breakout game in Salt Lake City. And then I and don't he threw even a pick know six he, on the first play. He threw a pick six on the very first play. So I, I think that's just a personal pick for me. I think Washington State wins this one outright. They find a way. I'm really impressed with Cam Ward in the offense. And I think the defense has quietly been really good. The numbers haven't necessarily played that out. Um, in the total yardage, but they're doing a good job of keeping other teams off the scoreboard short of just that furious rally by Oregon State a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to take Washington State outright. I think Dante Moore needs just a little bit more time, a little bit more seasoning uh, for him to get uh, going against a competent defense. So give me Wazoo outright, getting the upset in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Trey. I think that this is a Washington State win, and I I, I don't get the line. We've said it a couple times, but I just don't understand the line. Um, maybe Vegas knows what they're doing, and we're all dumb. But I, I just they don't typically do. It. They <laughs> typically do. But I, I just I don't think UCLA can keep up fifth rank passing offense or fifth fifth rank total offense in terms of points. Um, you got a 75 percent completion quarterback with 13 touchdowns, no picks. You got three receivers that have caught over 300 yards at this point in the season five of them over a hundred if I'm counting correctly. Um, and so look, this is a, this is a really good uh, offense for those Washington state Cougars. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to roll with them. I'm going to roll with them to beat UCLA. Uh, so obviously I'm going to pick them uh, plus the three and a half to go ahead and win. Damian Martinez did help keep Oregon state in that game. Uh, what was that? Two weeks ago. Was that last week? No, it wasn't. It was two weeks two ago. Weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Um, I do wonder what Carson Steele can do. The ball state transfer running the football for UCLA. Yeah, I don't know. This game just, it smells weird to me. I'm rooting for Wazoo. I love what Ben Arbuckle and Cam Ward are doing together. That, Trey, like, that was what we were hoping Cam Ward would do last one season. One year late. One year late. We, I know. we were one year early. I know. It's unfortunate timing. So I'm rooting for Wazoo. I'll fly the I'll fly old Crimson on, on game day. Um, but officially, I do have to pick UCLA. Just fly it right in Pat McAfee's face because I will. Him. Yeah, I will. Wazoo fans do matter, Pat McAfee. And I saw The Athletic wrote a scathing article at Pat. Um, listen, when you say dumb stuff, sometimes it comes back to bite you and you deserve it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the college football world is rallying around Washington State, a, a treasured program in, in this country. Um, Pat can can take his millions and, and shove it if he's uh, if he's out on on some of the teams that are the fabric of this game. Um. All right, let's go. Let's go East Coast, guys. We've been on on the West Coast here. Let's go. Let's transition to the Eastern Seaboard. You've got Syracuse at number fourteen, uh, North Carolina. The Tar Heels are eight point favorites. You've got number ten Notre Dame on the road at Louisville. The Irish are six and a half point favorites. I'm really inclined to take UNC and Notre Dame in this game. Um, one's a home team. One's a road team. Louisville has looked really good this year. Uh, now, the offense didn't do jack squat against NC State on the road. Tough place to play. Defense at night. But, Trey, Louisville covered for you. Part of the Friday night special. Yes, they did. Are you on Louisville? You feel like the Irish bounce back after a big win at Duke? What, what's, the, uh, what's the mood there? 
I think Louisville's luck is going to run out a bit this week. I don't know, you know, long-term I'm still in on Louisville. After this week, the schedule really softens out again. And I like that Louisville's found multiple ways to win. They've won with offense. They won with defense last week, um, playing good, sound, situational football and getting out of uh, NC State with a win. That's never an easy thing to do. I think Notre Dame just has a little bit too much talent. Uh, We saw, ironically, we saw... Louisville's quarterback, Jake Plummer, um, Jack Plummer, excuse me, go up against Notre Dame and almost knock them off with the Cal Golden Bears last year in South Bend. So that's a little bit fun, a little fun storyline there. But I think Notre Dame's going to handle business. I think they cover the line. Um, Louisville's a fun team, though. Don't sleep on Louisville. They could be a dark horse for the ACC championship game just because of their schedule and how soft it is down the stretch. They avoid a lot of the top teams. I think they're Toughest game after this is Duke, um, if I'm remembering their schedule right. But I think Notre Dame gets it done this week and uh, figures out a way to win on the road. Garrett, your uh, your playoff pick against against your ex from last season, which way are you leaning? Uh, it is a tough one for me, but if I've learned anything in my life, it's not to return to scorned lovers. Um, and so you, you, you don't go back. I'm not going back to Louisville at this point. Um, so we're going to rock with Notre Dame. They're the better team. They've got a stifling defense. They've played better teams on offense the last couple of weeks uh, with Ohio State and with uh, Duke, uh, and they've held them down. And I don't know that Ohio State ended up winning that game, but they still held them down to a pretty low margin and a pretty low output. So nothing that Louisville is going to do is really going to scare me in this one. So I'm going to pick Notre Dame minus a six and a half on that one and, and call it a day. Uh, I'm Great also- advice for us all. Great advice for us all. <laughs> Hey, come for the college football. Stay for the dating advice. And I did forget uh, Louisville does play Miami. Don't shoot the messenger, Miami fans. I did forget that y'all were on their schedule. That's not till the end of November, though. Right. Um, I'm going to take Notre Dame as well. Uh, I like uh, I like what the Irish are, are doing. It feels like they're building into a very complete team. Did not impress me necessarily last week against Duke, but you, you found a way to get it done on the road. Um, you know, against a very solid quarterback in uh, in Riley Leonard. I'm also going to take the favorite in North Carolina over Syracuse. Syracuse, like, they do this every year. They they seem like they're plucky. They seem like, oh, well, finally, Syracuse is going to reel off eight, nine wins. And then it's like they count their chickens before they hatch, and the play calling sucks, and suddenly they go away from what's working, and that's what they did against... Clemson last week, they started chucking the ball all over the lot. That is not how Syracuse wins. You don't win with the deep ball consistently, right? Like the most that we saw the deep ball win for Syracuse last year was, was against Purdue, a team that played defense against nobody. Uh, but you're without a doubt, your bread and butter was running the football. Schrader, Sean Tucker, they got away from that last week. They didn't run the ball well. They kept throwing it deep against Clemson and didn't work. I feel like they're playing another explosive offense in North Carolina that has just enough defense to win this game by multiple scores. Uh, I'll go with the Fighting Mac Browns here uh, at home, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, North Carolina's been quietly playing a lot better defense this year. If you haven't been watching their games, I don't blame you. They haven't had the most exciting schedule, but you know, coming off a bye, Mac Brown coming off a bye, I like that. And I think the reason that Syracuse does that is because the ACC absolutely hates them with the way that they set up their schedule every year. Like we all saw it coming last year. They got the bowl eligibility 
or right on the cusp of it. And we were just like, okay, that might be the last win they get before a bowl game because the schedule really toughened up this year. Clemson at home, followed by back-to-back road trips to North Carolina and Florida state. Like who did they make extremely upset in the ACC office to give them these uh, just grueling uh, gauntlets every single year. But yeah, I'm taking North Carolina here. I think the offense is just a little bit too much. I don't think Syracuse can, uh, with the way that their offense is running right now, I don't see Syracuse keeping up. Yeah, and, and look, North Carolina not playing at their level of offense that they did last year, but still playing all right, right? Drake May still completing over 72% of his passes. The touchdowns, interceptions, not where you want him to be, but he can definitely bounce back from that. Running the ball surprisingly well. Hampton's got you know 5.2 yards per carry right now, seven touchdowns. Uh, that's just in four games. So, look, I think that this is a pretty good North Carolina team, but that's not why I'm making my pick for North Carolina. I'm making my pick for North Carolina because we're going to continue to answer the question, is Syracuse good? The answer is no, they're not good. They're Syracuse. They might be good someday, but they're not right now. And North Carolina is good enough to beat them by eight. So I'm picking North Carolina because Syracuse is not good. Hey, after this three-game stretch, they come out of the bye there's some opportunities there. They, they I might think they play will, some they, other teams that also aren't good, but they will beat the not good teams on their schedule. They are solidly. I don't think they're not. I, I don't think they're not good. I think they're somewhere in the middle between good and not good. They're going to beat the not good teams. They're going to lose to the good teams and they're going to get to go to the pinstripe bowl or the Belk bowl or the Duke's Mayo bowl. And they're going to have a ton of fun in Charlotte or the Bronx. Look, look, they're not bad, but they're not good. No, yeah, they're in the middle. They're not good. That's okay. That's all right. I said they're not good. Trey with some hard-hitting analysis there. They're going to beat the not good teams. They're going to lose to the good teams. If you can beat the not good teams, you can win, make a lot of money in college football. If you can just beat the, the not good teams, yes, you will win. You will win eight or nine games a year if you just beat the not good teams on your schedule. You just need to don't the, lose to them. Just take the Kentucky model, right? Just win eight games yeah. a season. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess we'll see. We'll see what Syracuse can do. I, I think that game is going to be competitive for a while. Listen, Drake May. Yeah. You mentioned Garrett, the interceptions, not in a great spot. Honestly, might be a 200 IQ play by Drake May to not be a Chicago bear. Um, he's, he's not <laughs> going to follow the Mitch Trubisky model. And, uh, Does and, he want to be an Arizona Cardinal. Cause that, that doesn't seem much fun either. It's better than being a bear. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, you suck, those, but you suck indoors instead of on Soldier Field in the middle of winter. One of those teams has a win this season. One of those teams does not. Um, so, yeah. you know. It might be a Denver Bronco, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very, very true. Um, all right, well, let's give the group of five some love because, boy, the Sun Belt especially has been a ton of fun this season. We'll talk about Texas State, Louisiana, Arkansas, at Troy uh, here very, very shortly. But first, maybe the game of the year in the Mountain West, number 24, Fresno State, five and a half point favorites, going up to Laramie to take on the Cowboys of Wyoming. 7 p.m. Uh, kick on Fox. They're getting they're getting some major love here. They bumped, do you, who did they bump? Because Fox originally had like a power five game. I think it was a big 12 matchup. It might've been the butt bowl, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Listen, listen, I don't know if, if they bumped if, somebody though. The, like Fox made the decision. Bump the butt bowl. They bumped the butt bowl. That's that's 
potentially uh, an unfortunate circumstance because I think everybody wants to watch Tech and, and Baylor find ways to just sling mud at each other. Am, am I crazy, though, to think that Wyoming's magical run at home, maybe they're in for a reality check? I mean, the last time I said this with App State, it didn't work. They won on a blocked field goal attempt, ran the ball back for a touchdown. It was, you know, magic and Laramie once again. Mikey Keene has been slanging it, though. And I know they're going to altitude, but we're a couple games in. This is not fresh out of off-season conditioning when you've still got some of that off-season blubber on you. Fresno State's look really good, and they're ranked for a reason. I think I'm in on the Bulldogs. Uh, and, and Fresno State may be having a chance to sneak into a New Year's Six. Now, they've got a battle Air Force, uh, also out of the Mountain West, but I really like Fresno State. Uh, TCU Iowa State was a game that got bumped from Fox. I just I just oh, looked thank it up, but that's good. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think they did America a favor there. I, I'd much rather this watch this game. Um, man, Garrett, can you go full screen on me for a second? All right, I got you, Trey. I am sorry, Fresno State, because in our Mountain West preview, I thought losing Jake Hayner was going to put you towards the bottom of this conference. And you are blowing everyone's expectations out of proportion this year. Great team. Really fun team to watch on the West Coast if you're up late. I apologize, Bulldogs fans. And I think you keep it going this week. You're going to beat Wyoming on the road. You're going to cover the five and a half point spread. And you're going to cement yourselves as the top contender in the uh, Mountain West. Y'all didn't think you were going to get a full screen tonight. I didn't didn't think we were going to get an apology. But when we talk about the Mountain West, I show my ignorance. Hey, well, it it takes a big man to to acknowledge when he's messed up, right? So that's that's good for you, Trey. Um, but no, I'm I'm excited about this one. I'm glad that this one got bumped off for you know the whole TCU Iowa State thing. I'm glad we're not watching that game when we get to see this one. I do think Fresno State wins. I'm not going to pick them to cover. Um, it is still really tough to win at Wyoming, right? It's still a tough place to play. It's still you know not an easy venue whatsoever. Um, I probably discounted Wyoming a little bit more than I should have. Uh, going into this season. So I, I think they'll keep it close, but I do think Fresno State's the better team. They can really run the ball too. Got a couple of guys who are really effective on the ground. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Fresno State to win, but not uh, to cover. I'll take them by maybe a field goal, maybe a little bit more. That could be a heady play for sure. Wyoming, they can keep it close if nothing else. Um, I do wonder if Fresno State's offense is is explosive enough to finally beat them by multiple scores. But uh, we'll see how much magic the Cowboys have left. Craig Bowl could finally retire. Boy, can you imagine if he goes out on top, if he finds a way to win a Mountain West championship for Wyoming and then just drop the mic, go out on top just like that? That would be one of the best stories, I think, in college football. Uh, we promised you some Sunbelt action. Texas State at Louisiana. Uh, I almost said at Louisiana State at Louisiana, uh, potentially the best team in the boot, depending on how the Tigers are playing that week. Louisiana, though, is a one-point favorite when we took the line. I checked it before hitting record because surely Texas State had swung the line in their momentum, right? No. The money is coming in on Louisiana. It's up to a a two-and-a-half-point spread in some places in favor of the Raging Cajuns. Trey, like, are people just fading the rally trident? Like, what what is going on? What is what is uh, GJ Kenny need to prove before folks start buying into uh, to the Bobcats' mission to take back Texas? Man, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't buy into the rally trident, but 
you know, TJ Finley and company are a really fun story. I think if you gave them another shot at UTSA right now, I think they would win that game and be undefeated going into the stretch run of their Sunbelt schedule here. I don't this the winner of this game is certainly going to be the favorite in the West for me. South Alabama hasn't shown enough consistency. Troy hasn't shown enough consistency for me either to really pick them to make a run here. But I think the winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat for the Sun Belt West to make it to that championship game. And what a story it would be if in year one of the new regime, Texas State can make it. I'm going to lean with the public here. I'm going to lean with Louisiana. I think they're the more established program, the more sturdy bet right now. I I think they can get it done at home. I don't know that Texas State is quite there yet as a program to win this type of game on the road. I was really impressed by what they did on the road at Southern Miss last week, but still maybe one step away as a program building standpoint from winning a game like this on the road. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I'm picking Texas State on this one. I think they're the better team. I think that, you know, obviously they have the better quarterback in this spot. TJ Finley much better than any of the guys that they could trot out over there for Louisiana. I know they've kind of rotated a couple of guys and tried a couple of things out. Um, we'll, we'll see if anything works out. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the run game, I think, better for Texas State. They've got the better runner. They're leading running back Madi right now. He's got um, 9.8 per carry, seven touchdowns. It's pretty dang good. That'll get it done against most teams. Um, and so, you know, I think that this is a better team. I think they've just got the, the, the better overall style of play right now. And I'm going to pick them to beat Louisiana. I think it's a big moment for them. And I think things are going to be going crazy down there on that Texas State campus. Trey, hopefully the, the wife doesn't hog the blankets in, in response to that pick. Um, <laughs> going, going against the alma mater. That's, uh, hey, that's she wants to go to a game now. Like th- this has rejuvenated the fan base. So we're, we're really excited about that. Well, you start throwing rally tridents. I want to be there too. I do. Um, yeah, let's, I let's make throw a trip a trident. there. Yeah, we're missing out. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, let's talk Arkansas State Troy. And now, if you're wondering, wait, Arkansas State, the team that got beat a billion to nothing against Oklahoma. Yeah, that Arkansas State. They started zero and two, but they've won three straight. So the offense seems like it's getting some sort of form. Still, they're 17-point dogs to a Troy team that still has it all to play for. They're still in contention for a Sun Belt title and, and may still be one of the favorites. Troy was last seen smothering Georgia State, a previously undefeated team who kind of stomped all over Coastal. It was kind of the death of uh, Jamie Chadwick's triple option hybrid offense up there uh, in Conway. It's a big number, but guys, I'm kind of on the Trojans here. I think that defense, once again, is one of the best units in the entire Sunbelt Conference, and I think they get get it done over uh, over the Red Wolves. Um, this is Troy's homecoming game. Do you guys know what team you pick for your homecoming game? Traditionally, you pick the, the team. One that's easy to beat. You pick, pick the, the team that's stomp. easy. You pick the team you think you're going to stomp, and I think Troy's going to stomp. Arkansas State they did that you know Arkansas State is on a three-game win streak those wins have come against Stony Brook Southern Miss and UMass albeit UMass was on the road you don't just walk into McGurk Alumni Stadium in Amherst and expect to win but I think Troy can handle business this week (laughs) yeah but don't you Trey don't don't just walk into McGurk Alumni Stadium in Amherst Massachusetts 
maybe you don't. Um, no, I think I think Troy's going to win this game by a whole bunch, too. They just run the ball better. They're going to be able to run in it, and Arkansas State cannot stop the run. One of the worst run defenses right now. They give up, like, over 160 a game right now. This is what Troy wants to do, and Troy pretty good against the run. They don't give up more than – I think they give up, what is it, 91 a game on defense. So I think that this is just the better team right now. They're going to dominate the trenches. They're going to do what they need to do. Troy's going to win this one. It's going to be pretty comfy. Side note, do you guys remember when UMass beat New Mexico State week zero and we thought they might uh, they might show something this year? That was a long um, time ago. Those uh those those returns have uh, not matured in the way that we might have hoped after week zero. Yeah. Um as we uh as we move over to the watch the ticker section in my journalistic integrity, I have to let you know Jacksonville State has stormed back from yes, was it twenty three seven. Mm-hmm. At one point, they're now winning 31-23 over Middle Tennessee State. Uh, before we hit record, I was talking about how I almost took Jacksonville State plus three. I couldn't believe that the Fighting Brent Stockstills were three-point favorites at home. I'll give you that. But they're one in four. Jacksonville State has found ways to win, um, including a miraculous cover last week against Sam Houston State. I held off. Jacksonville State fans, I just I just want to say you're welcome. Uh, clearly, not being financially invested in you has powered this uh, this storm back. There's about nine minutes left in that game, so um, interested to see who wins that. But we we haven't mentioned that. But with this Wednesday night football starting up, we are currently in Tuesday night football starts next week. Yeah. Um, we are currently in a 50 day stretch. This is day one of a 50 day in a row stretch where there's at least one college or NFL game. So savor that it goes all the way to thanksgiving week the wednesday before thanksgiving is the next day that there will not be any so college or professional football on wow and 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 it's it's a holiday weekend so you have a bunch yeah. of great football to look forward to anyway um the watch the ticker segment uh trey run us run us down kind of some of your your picks that, that you might flip the channel over to you might See, oh, hey, look at that. Kansas State's only beaten Oklahoma State by seven late in the third quarter. Uh, what's a game or two that uh, that you're inclined to at least flip it over to? Yeah, we've got a fun, I think, could be fun doubleheader uh, Friday night. K-State, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Illinois. Rutgers, Wisconsin is surprisingly could be competitive, right? This is a team in Rutgers that's going across to their uh, cross division, um, you know, Wisconsin has looked better, but Rutgers has certainly looked like they've improved quite a bit this year. Running into the media, they're scheduled. They need a couple more wins to get to bowl eligibility. They got to be circling this one as I don't think Wisconsin's an easy win for Rutgers uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but compared to, you know, Ohio State, Penn State might be one of the easier options. Wake Forest, Clemson could be a ton of points. UCF, Kansas, I think might combine for a hundred points like Ole Miss and LSU last week, Arkansas Ole Miss guys. I've got this one circled because this seems like a textbook Neil Brown syndrome on one side and let down spot on the other side after the most emotional win in the Lane Kiffin era for Ole Miss and everybody circling the wagons on old Sam Pittman in Arkansas. It's not a good defense at Ole Miss. They're going to give up some points. I think at the line was like 11 and a half. I took the Arkansas and the points on the ledger. I think there's going to be a ton of points scored in that game. 
We mentioned the Butt Bowl, 7 p.m. Saturday on ESPN2. And then your late night, best game on the late night. If you like points, Arizona and USC. I think that game, that game just has something weird written all over it, doesn't it? I, th- I think something weird. If you don't stay up for that one, we'll be up doing our live show. Come hang out with us. I think we'll be live reacting to something really weird happening in that game. I don't know if it's a fan on the field. I don't know if it's an animal on the field. I don't know if it's a stupid pick six touchdown or a block field goal or Arizona's up at the half, something that drastic. But I think something weird will happen in that game. Uh, Arizona hung with Washington last week to the point where we had fans in our Twitter timeline criticizing uh, Washington takes. I was commenting over on uh, Bobby Wilson's post, TNT College Football Podcast, um, and he had Washington at, at two, I believe, and there was a fan that was saying, oh, did you watch any of the Arizona game? Absolutely, I did. Arizona, I think, is a decent football team, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I don't... Tucson's a weird place to play, guys. Playing in the desert late at night is a weird place to play. Washington winning by double digits was impressive enough. I don't need to see a 50-burger from Michael Penix Jr. every single week to believe that Washington is a playoff contender or that Penix is a Heisman contender. Um, you won a game, a tough road game, and uh, you did it by multiple scores. And, uh, you know, that, that was good enough for me. But I agree. USC's defense is non-existent. And, uh, you know, Jaden Delora marching in to, uh, to the Coliseum, it, it could get weird. You mentioned, Trey, that this isn't like an easy win for Rutgers. Wisconsin is a 14-point favorite in that game. What part of Wisconsin's offense leads you guys to believe that they can win this game convincingly over a Rutgers defense that's been really good, let's be honest? Yeah, they're still trying to figure it out on offense in Wisconsin. I think they have the pieces there to eventually put it all together, and I still think they can bounce back. And they Look, they were really good the last time we saw them against Purdue on a Friday night. I think they have the pieces to still run through the west side of the Big Ten. I'm not. I'm, I'm backing off my take preseason that they have a chance to upset Ohio State, but I, I think 14 points is fair. I think the talent advantage is clear for Wisconsin. Rutgers has to play a perfect game to win this one or near a perfect game to win this one outright. And I think anytime that's the case, I think you probably lean towards a 14-ish point spread, if not more, if the talent discrepancy is a little bit bigger. So Wisconsin looks like, last time we've seen them, last couple times we've seen them, it looks like they're starting to click it on offense. I worry if Rutgers can keep up. That's that's why I think that spread might be legit. Yeah. I think all the points are going to get scored in, uh, in UCF, Kansas as well. That's yep. a Saturday afternoon game. We don't know. If Jaden Daniel or Jay Lynn Daniel, excuse me, is going to be playing in that one. Um, a lot of speculation going around on where his his injury came from. I did find out the rumor that he injured it filming a commercial for Kellogg's uh, is not true. So um, no idea where the injury came from. But uh, if you've seen that Twitter rumor, that uh, has been debunked by um, folks close to that situation. So anyway, guys, a, a lot of exciting action, a lot of prove it games hammer the nail saturday the playoff cases are starting to be built starting to take shape i think you're gonna have a couple teams fail to raise that wall up fail to raise the barn and you're gonna have some that are gonna do so rather emphatically and i'm looking forward to this jacksonville state has made it 38 23 i can't believe i didn't end up sneaking them into the ledger but you know you live and you learn talk to your kids about conference usa champion 
Jacksonville State. And they get to be like JMU last year and not even get to go to the championship, probably. I know. I know. It sucks. Um, But with all of that said, we can't wait to break it down for you. Saturday night, as Trey said, come join us live over on our YouTube. Uh, We did our, what was it, second or third live show last week in a row. The numbers continue to grow. We had great engagement in the chat. Lots of questions. Just talking ball with folks. And that was an absolute blast. So come on over. Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you're just listening to the podcast version. You can find us live Saturday night. We go live around 10 o'clock between 10 and 10.30 Central Time, basically as the evening slate of games wraps up as the uh, Pac-12 After Dark gets going. And uh, and we can't wait to talk to you then. For Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?